Well, good morning again. Hey, real quick, FBC kids are now excused. Kindergarten to third grade. You can come up and head on out with Miss Patty. Woohoo! Awesomeness. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, one other thing as we talk and as FBC kids leave, I forgot to announce something in my announcements. You know, we, we have a youth that works in our sound booth, you know, Mr. Didi Pierre. Well, Didi wrestles, yeah. So Didi wrestles for St. Lucia's High School as a freshman wrestling on the varsity. He actually obtained his first win yesterday at the Palm Beach Gardens Invitational. Congratulations, Didi, man. I'm proud of you, brother. Come on, stick your head out so I can wave to you. There you go. That's what we're talking about. All right. <laughs> so, anyways, all right. Well, good morning. <laughs> it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's good to have a new year. Have you ever noticed that when we start new years, you know, last week was the first, so we're kind of like still trying to figure it out. And, you know, it's kind of like, hey, do I make a new year's resolution? And if you did by now, you've probably already broken it. But that's okay, you know, because we're eight days into the new year. But you see, we start on this new year, and generally what do we do? We reflect on the events of the past. We, we look back in the past, and we kind of reflect on how the last year was and, and what we're going to do to make the new year a better year and, and what goals can we put out there to come forward. And, and I think it's interesting that every year we do the same thing. We, we look to this upcoming near year like it's fresh and new. And I remember reading a story that, you know, over 400 years ago, there were these pilgrims that came to the U.S. And what happened is they came to the U.S. and they landed up in, up in the Northeast. And, and the first year they were there, they were kind of established their city or their town. So in the first year, they had their town, and then in the second year, they said, hey, you know what, we need to have a government, so they elected their government officials, so now they had a town, and they had a government, and then in the third year, the government officials started thinking, hey, we need to build a road going west, and maybe just five miles west, you know, let's continue to explore, and in the fourth year, the town came together and tried to impeach the government officials for wanting to build a road going west, and it was kind of like, what do we need to continue going there for? And it kind of got me thinking, wait, these were people who traveled over 3,000 miles over the ocean with this vision to see what was in this new world, with this vision to go forward, and in just four short years of being here, they lost their vision and didn't even want to go five more miles west. And unfortunately, I think I run into that same problem. Sometimes I forget what the vision is. You know, you kind of, I can, can't even tell you how many different adventures I've been on or, or projects that I've started. And, and I get to a point and I look and I kind of get satisfied. And I just get stuck in that status quo. And, and some never continue the vision past it. It's kind of like, hey, I got to this point. I'm happy with it here. It wasn't what I totally wanted to do, but I can be okay with it. And I think we get so caught up that sometimes we never continue to 
do what we're called to do and, and we get stopped and we stop pushing forward on things because we get comfortable? That ever happened to anyone else in here? You get in that comfort zone? You know, you push for so long and, and you got this, hey, I, I want to get my master's. Well, I got my bachelor's, so I'm okay. Well, I want to get a bachelor's. Well, I got my associates. Hey, I graduated high school. That was an accomplishment. You know, and, and for some of us, we, we have these big plans on, you know, especially I'm, I'm going to pick on the men in the house. We, we get this concept of, hey, I'm going to do this to the house. And, and I'm going to do all of these different renovations, and I'm going to do it myself. And, and we probably all have rooms that are only like three-quarters away done. Well, we've started them. You know, last year I started cleaning my garage. I still haven't finished, you know, because it's not real. It's, hey, I kind of got a vision of what I want it to be, but it requires work. And, and I really don't want to put in the work. I got other things I'd rather be doing. But I think we all get caught up in this every day, this status quo of, hey, you know what? We're good. I I'm good. And it was just my vision, so I'm good with it. But what about when the vision comes from God? When, when God gives you this vision and, and understand that, you know, we may stop on a vision we have for ourselves when it kind of gets hard. But when the vision comes from God, we already know it's going to be hard. But we also know he's going to give us the strength to go through it. And he's going to give us the power and the wisdom and everything needed. He's even going to supply the people needed to help us finish what he calls us to do. And I think without that vision from God and without knowing it's from him, I think we rarely move beyond our current boundaries. We don't push ourselves the way we should push ourselves. And it's interesting, Helen Keller was asked, what could be worse than being born with no sight? And her actual response was this, having sight without a vision. Now think about that. How many of us have sight we can all see, but we have no vision in our life? Or we have no real vision in our lives? And one of the things I want everyone to understand today is this, no matter what has been transpired in this past year, or even in the past years, we can make revisions to our lives by following God's plans in this coming year. We just got to be obedient to what God calls us to do. And, and, and that's where that hard part comes in, because we like to be comfortable, and, and we'll get stuck in that status quo. And, and we need to understand that when God's plan is there, we need to continue to move forward. And this week's scripture, it's actually only one verse. It's very short. It's, it's Proverbs 29, 18. And it actually says this, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Think about that for a minute. How many of you want a vision? And want a vision bigger than yourself. See, the, the writer of Proverbs here, he understood exactly that. He understood that it was bigger than anything. And he understood that, that discerning God's vision and, and living out that vision as a follower of God was going to have to be something in his heart. 
It, it goes beyond just this feeling that we have. It goes beyond ourselves. It goes beyond what we may personally think or what we personally believe because it goes on. God's plans are bigger than ours. They're, they're so much bigger than ours. And for us to really live this life, we need to understand that if, if God's going to give us a vision, he needs to be the center of our life. See, and I think, unfortunately, in today's world, God's not the center of our life. He's part of our life. Break it down to you this way. We all have a work life, right? So we got this vocation that we do or vocation that we used to do. And then we got maybe our family lives or our parent lives or our grandparent lives. And, you know, so we got all these different lives that we live that are in throughout our day. And then we say, here's our spiritual life. So and it's just kind of an addition instead of being the purpose of our life. Because too many of us will put, hey, my life is about my job. It's about my career. My life is about my family. My life is about this. And, and we'll just sprinkle in a little bit of our life with God. Well, we'll just, well, I, I need God when I need him. And unfortunately, we all get stuck doing that. I myself, there's times I'll get going and get moving, and, and hey, this is what I want, this is what I want to accomplish, and I keep going, and I keep going, and all of a sudden I realize that I'm just struggling. And the reason I'm struggling is I've made it about me. Instead of God being the center of my life, I've put Ken at the center of my life. And when I put myself at the center of my life, good things don't happen. Because I just mess them up. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who just messes it up when we get in our own way. We get in our way and we don't do what God calls us to do. And we need to understand that vision from God is bigger than us. It's bigger than anything we could ever do. George Barna actually said this. Vision is a clear mental image of a preferable future imparted by God to his chosen servants and is based upon an accurate understanding of God, self, and circumstances. In other words, vision is a portrait of a future that doesn't exist. It's seeing into the future, and it has to stretch our reality. Because if we can look into the future and think we can achieve it, is it really from God? Because it should stretch us so much that we look at that and go, man, I can't do that. There's no way I can accomplish that. There's no way I can do this. I, I can't make this happen. But then understand that through that, our current circumstances will be better. And, and understand that we've got to take those steps that God calls us to take. And, and it is going to stretch us. And, and I think that's where a lot of us let fear take over. We, we start getting, oh, but I can't do that. Why is God want calling me to do that? Oh, he's got other people who can do that. And we allow fear to get up in us, and it prevents us from doing what God calls us to do. And understand, vision implies change. And I think that's where a lot of us really get that fear. <gasps> change? What? You want something to change? We can't just be happy, because what happens when you're comfortable in your status quo? The last thing you want is change, right? Because change means you've got to do or learn something new. And the last thing we want to do is when we're stuck in our ways and, 
this is the way I always do it, and I've always done it this way, is when change happens, we get very frustrated, and we don't know how to handle it. We don't know what, what to do going forward. God requires us to change. And if you think about that, if you think about vision, we as individuals and we as a church should honestly be able to sit here and say, we are not who God called us to be. I am not who God called me to be. He called me to be greater than what I am. He called me to be better than what I am. He called me to do better than what I'm currently doing. He called us as a church to reach the lost. He called us as a church to feed the hungry. He called us as a church to clothe those who are naked. He called us to do so much more, and what are we doing? For some of us, we come to church for an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday. What about the rest of the week? What about the rest of your life where you're actually doing what God called you to do? And the reality is, no, we're not. And the reason we're not is we're so caught in our comfort zone. We all have our individual little bubbles that we like to stay in. And, and I understand that because I, I, I know where my bubble's at. And God has popped that bubble many times. God has popped that bubble and for, forced me to stretch to continue to do what he's called me to do. To take that time to, to see his vision instead of my own vision. And so we got to understand that the heart of the vision has to be God. And if he's in the heart of the vision and the heart and the, the center of our life, then we know we can continue to move forward. And, and I mean, you, you look in biblical time, the Israelites had a totally different understanding of life and a relationship with God than we do. In, in the ancient Israelite world, they believed your entire life what you were called to do was serve and worship God. So you lived for God, you served God, and you worshiped God. Nothing else mattered. And they also believed that if you did not do those three things, you were basically dead. Look at your neighbor and say, man, you're dead. Because how many of us truly, every day, live for God, worship God, and do what God calls, and that's all we focus on. I'm your pastor, and I'm going to tell you, I fail at that every day. Because life gets in the way. Circumstances get in the way. I get in the way. I've said it many times, I like me, myself, and I, I know me, myself, and I very well. But me, myself, and I don't always do what God calls us to do. And I need to put that aside in order to get that vision and be obedient to what God called me to do and understand that my life needs to be about him and him first. Nothing else should matter except him and him first and what he's called me to do. So, so as we talk about vision and we look, you know, what, what should the vision of our church be? You know, I was talking to someone last week. I thought it was neat. We were talking. They said, man, you know, Pastor, I, I, I want to see the pews full. I want to see them overflowing. I said, you know, that's, that's a great hope and that's a great dream, but that's not a vision. 
That, that's really not a vision. That's a hope. That's a dream. Hey, you know what? I don't know how many times, you know, back in our heyday, Pastor, back in our heyday. So you're going back instead of moving forward. You ever realize the when you go backwards, it really doesn't help to go forward? Try, try and go from here to North Carolina going backwards. You're going to end up in Key West, okay? Or you're going to end up in the ocean or an accident or something. You know, but we will look to the back. We'll look out of that rearview mirror that's this big instead of our windshield that's this big. God gives us a big vision in front of us. But we look at this little, we want to see what's behind us. What is God's vision for the church? I think about when I think about vision for the church, I think the first thing is that it, it should be something where you see a need. And, and I think about Nehemiah. Nehemiah, you know, if you know the story of Nehemiah, he was the cupbearer for the king, and his job was to taste all the wine and food before the king ate it. So it was a very important job because he had to make sure it wasn't poisoned. So, as, you know, figure, hey, I got to make sure it tastes good. It's not poisoned and give it to the king. So he had a pretty high stature inside. He was probably living a very good life because he was right next to the king to make sure the king would be fed and get his drink and be nourished and do everything. So he had a high calling. But when his brother came to him and told him that the walls of Jerusalem were torn down, that the temple had been just obliterated, that the people outside of Jerusalem were not happy. Here you think about Jerusalem, the place where they worshiped God, the place where the temple of God was, where God was with them. And it was all gone. It was desolate. The people there had nothing going on, and they couldn't do anything. And at that point in time, it struck Nehemiah in his heart. He felt the need. Hey, my people need to be able to worship God. My people need to be able to feel safe. My people need to. So it started with his need. Now, it was beyond anything Nehemiah could do. You know, many people over the years had tried to rebuild the wall. It's been broken down for 150 years. So, so Nehemiah, this, this just grabbed him in his heart, and, and he had this need. He felt this need to be able to move on. And he just kept praying about it and asking God, is today the day I get to go rebuild your wall? He felt the need. And he wanted to see this glory. And, and then the second thing is, it becomes a concern because now it's a, a, hey, I see the need, but now I'm concerned about the people. So when we look into the community around us, do we see the need? And does it break our heart when we see people not being able to eat? If we see people who don't have clothes on their back. What about people who are just hurting? You see someone who just needs prayer. You know, you, you get this need inside of you because you see the, the pain that someone else is going through. That's when you start to get that vision from God. And, and that need turns into a concern. You've got to do something. Hey, I, I've got to do something. It, it's bothering me so much I can't sleep at night. I've got to do something to get this need accomplished. But I'm just one person. 
I can't accomplish this on my own. And you see Nehemiah, after it started to concern him, and, and he finally was able to go back and start rebuilding the wall. And as he went back, he, he, he realized that he looked at this, hey, you know what? This is going to be glorious. The wall is going to be rebuilt. People are going to be worshiping God. People are going to be coming to the temple. Businesses are going to open back up. Jerusalem is going to thrive like it used to thrive, and it's going to be the Mecca where people come to be. He could see this. He just didn't understand how it was going to get there. And it required more than just him. It required a lot more people than it had him. But he had this preferred vision of the future. He saw the walls rebuilt. He saw everything going on. And understand that a vision is a reflection of what God wants to do through us to impact the world. What is God calling you to do to impact the world? This is exactly what Nehemiah was doing. It was going to impact the world by him rebuilding these walls. And, and instead, he didn't stay in his, you know, maintain his status quo. Think about it. He ended up rebuilding the wall with a sword in one hand while building with the other. It wasn't an easy task. It took thousands of people. And there were haters in it. As he was rebuilding the wall, seeing the glory that was going to come back to the city of Jerusalem, there were people hating on what he was doing, and he had to fight that each and every day, but he stayed focused on the vision that God called him to do. As a matter of fact, he even told the people, I will not come down from this wall. We need to build a wall. We need to be like Nehemiah, and we need to stand firm on top of that wall and say, I am not coming down. I am not coming down from this wall. I'm going to continue to do what God called me to do. But see, too many times we'll come down that wall because it's convenient. It's easier. It's easier than dealing with, as much as you hate to say it, politics. Politics and church, yes. It's easier just to go with the status quo than to try and change. But when a vision comes from God, it's going to require you to change. It's going to require you to change from the inside out. It's going to require you and everyone around you to catch that vision and do it together because no one's going to be able to do it alone. Nehemiah could not rebuild this wall alone. It took many a people, and it was a God-sized vision. You think about it. That wall was over 2 miles long, 10 to 15 foot high, and at least 10 feet thick. Can you imagine having to rebuild that wall? They didn't have concrete mixers. They didn't have trucks that came up and just poured the concrete. This was all done by hand. That's a vision from God, and it's God's size. It meant two things. God was the center of that vision because it was God's size. (coughs) And understand that if it's going to come to pass, God's got to be at the heart of the vision. God's got to be at the heart of the vision in order for us to be able to accomplish it. And I think many times that when we're faced with these God-sized visions, it requires us to get on our knees. And we get on our knees realizing the fact that, man, we can't do this. There's no way I can do this. God, I need you. 
And as we spend that time on our needs and he continues to give us that vision of what he wants us to accomplish, he's given that same vision to others so that we can continue to move on. God's vision is always going to call us to join with other people to do it. And you think about this vision to rebuild Jerusalem was given to four people. It was given to Esther. Of course, it was given to Nehemiah. It was also given to Ezra and Hezekiah. Because God knew it was such a vision so big that it was beyond anything Nehemiah could do. And it was going to require others to also have that vision to get others to come and help. We need to be willing to get others into the vision. Be willing to take that time and understand it's, it's instead of having fear, we need to have faith because faith requires action. Think about some of the, the heroes of the faith. Imagine if they were just, I like my status quo. Imagine if Noah, when God said build a boat, Noah said, sorry, I don't do boats. Imagine when he went to Moses, go set my people free, if Moses said, I don't like people. Imagine David say, God, that's good. I see that giant over there, but I don't do giants. I'm just a lowly shepherd. What about the Virgin Mary? What if she had that fear and and she told God, well, God, I, I know this is from you, but I'm a virgin. I don't do babies. When you look at the heroes of the faith, God called every one of them out of their comfort zone. And they became heroes of the faith because they stepped outside their comfort zone to do what God called them to do. You want to be a hero of your faith? You want to be a hero in God's army? Step outside your faith and do what he calls you to do. Don't get caught in this status quo. Don't get caught sitting in your easy chair. Actually get up and move. Faith requires action, requires us to move. It requires us to do something that is bigger than ourselves. Something bigger than any of us could ever dream. And understand that that God's vision allows us to overcome our fear. Vision's the ability to see what others can't see. It's faith to believe what others will not believe. It's courage to do what others say can't be done. So how does the church get a vision? First, we need to trust God. Trust God and trust what he's going to reveal to us and how he's going to lead us through it. And that starts with faith. It reminds me of the the father of Mark 9, 24, who, who said, immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. How many people in this room believe in God but still have unbelief? We're afraid to take that step into the water. Jesus said, come on. But we're afraid to take that step. We have that unbelief. Oh, I believe God can do everything he says in his Bible with somebody else. Sorry, God, I don't do that. Well, yes, you do. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, yes, you do. He gives you the power and 
order to be able to do it. He should give you that confidence in order to go to, to where you have Godfidence. Because it ain't from you, it's from him. It's time for some of us to take that step out into the water. To take that step beyond our comfort zone. And it's hard. I'm right there with you. I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. It's so nice and snuggly here. It's easy here. Life is easy. But when God tells you, hey, I need you here, you need to take those steps. Get outside your comfort zone. Have that faith. And do what he calls you to do. God, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. God, I believe you can do everything, but help me with my unbelief because I, I know someone else can do it. We forget that God will and does help us every day, and that includes helping make our faith stronger. He can make our faith stronger. And, and unfortunately, we got these factors that we can't control. You know, we've, we've got our background that we can't control. We, we've got our age. we got giftedness, certain things that we can't control. But what we can control is how much we believe God, how much we believe in what he's capable of doing in our lives. And just like Philippians 4.13 says, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Our faith needs to be strengthened through his word. And last but not least, if you're talking about vision, it, it comes down to prayer. And I'm not talking intercessory prayer like when we're praying for other people. I'm talking about listening prayer. John Maxwell says it like this. 90% of the time in prayer, we spend talking. And we only spend 10% of the time listening to God. But it should be the total opposite. We should spend 10% of our time talking with God and 90% of our time listening to what God has to say. You see, we're so quick to, hey, God. And then we listen for a moment, and then we're on our way. How about if we said, hey, God, and we took you know, 10 minutes of prayer, and we took one minute saying, hey, God, and listened for the next nine minutes to listen to his voice? That's the difference. So when we do listening prayer, we're actually listening for what God calls us to do and what he wants us to do. Because remember, like I said at the beginning, no matter what has transpired in the past year or years, we can make revisions to our lives to following God's plans for us in the coming year. So what changes in your life need to be made? What change in your life do you need to see to see the vision that God has for you? Remember, it's a new year. means a new you, right? So if it's a new year and it's a new you, man, God must have new plans. Are you listening for him? What needs to change in your life this year to make it a new you so that you can actually catch that new vision or have revisioning of what God wants out of your life? And understand that when you look at that, it's going to pull you out of your comfort zone. You're going to be stretched. It's going to be hard. So what comfort zone or boundary do you need to get rid of this year? It's time to burst your personal bubble and take a step out. What about us as a church? We need to ensure we're just not sitting here on a Sunday and, hey, that was good, Pastor, and then you go out and do nothing. 
We need to apply it into our lives and actually do what God wants us to do. Be the person he called you to be. You know, like I said, a lot of people looking back at the heyday. Man, Pastor, it used to be full and we had people sitting in the back. And What year was that? How long ago was that? It's, it's something to think about. It, it's great to look back. At, and my thing always about that is, guess what? I know God can fill this church. I know God can fill it. I know he can fill this church to overflowing. I know he could fill this church to where it would have to do something it's never done before, have two different services on a Sunday. I know my God's big enough to do that. But the thing is, is that takes everyone here to catch that vision from God, which means everyone here has work to do in order to get that vision from God. See, too many times we'll come here and say, I, I, I want it like it used to be, but I'm not going to do anything to help it get there. Think about that. I, I loved it when it was full. I want to see it full again. But man, I'm too busy. I'm too old. I can't do it. When's the last time you honestly invited someone to church? Think about that. For some people in this room, you're sitting there thinking, man, I ain't invited no one to church in years. And then you wonder why no one comes to church. It starts with each one of us. We, we've got to take that step. We've got to take that vision from God and, and say, we're going to do this. I remember when I came up and I started announcing that we were building a room for FBC kids. And I said, on December 4th, FBC Kids is going to open, and me and a bunch of other people got a room prepared, cleaned it out, relayed carpet, painted it, got it all set up, got it all decorated, totally done. We, we, it took a lot of work from a lot of people to get it done. And I remember hearing, why are we building a room for FBC Kids? We got no kids. Well, we opened FBC Kids on December 4th. We had no kids on December 4th. Since February 11th through today, you see when I announced FBC Kids is now open, what do we have? We have kids. I sat here for six weeks during the summer starting Youth Encounter. Six straight weeks, no one here praying. We have youth on Thursday nights. We have youth in the sanctuary. We have youth working in the sound booth. When the vision comes from God, it's bigger than anything we think we could ever accomplish. I always say, if you build it, they will come. We need to be willing to take the steps, not wait till they're here. Because if you're waiting for someone to, hey, we're waiting for young adults to come into the church, you're going to be waiting for a while. But if God gives us a vision to say, hey, we need to look at starting this program for young adults, even though we have none, and you start the program, guess what? He will provide the young adults. We had no kids. We built an FBC kids. Guess what? We've got kids. We had no youth. We started a youth night. Guess what? We have youth. And by the way, they're killing me in basketball. 
So if anyone's good in basketball, y'all need to come out on Thursday night because they're whooping me. They even beat me in dominoes this week. I got them good. We're playing Uno next week. Uh, I might have a chance in Uno. Uh, I don't know, though. Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) Visions are bigger than you. If we want to see the kingdom grow, it starts with each one of us. And each one of us need to be willing to get outside of our comfort zone and do what God called us to do. Not ask the questions, not looking to the past, but looking to the future of what God has planned. God has plans for each one of us. We just need to get up and walk to them. We can't sit on the couch saying, I'm waiting on God, I'm waiting on God, I'm waiting on God, and do nothing about it. Faith requires action. Each one of us has a belief, but how much belief do we actually have? As I've been saying since back in December, we we all need to begin to pray to have our hearts right with God. That's where it starts. It starts with that prayer. He'll supply the vision. He'll supply the people to work his vision, and he will see it to completion. You notice he will do it. We just need to be obedient to do what he calls us to do. So you want to see the church filled? You want to see God's kingdom filled? What are you doing to fill it? That's a question to ask yourself each and every day. What are you doing to fill it? Without Jesus at the center of our vision, the church dies. Think about that. Without Jesus being at the center, the church of Jesus Christ dies. It's called the church of Jesus Christ for a reason. He should be the center. Not me. Not you. Him. But man, we get caught up putting ourselves in the center, right? Whatever it is you're dealing with in your life, it's time to say, what do I need to do to do what God's called me to do? And then do it. Make that change in your life. He sets a vision on you. Start praying about it even more. Because let me tell you, if God puts a vision in your heart, he's putting that same vision in someone else's heart. And guess what? That person's probably someone you know. And then all of a sudden you start hearing it, and now it starts to multiply. And as it begins to multiply, it begins to become its own little thing. And that's when you know, hey, we're going for a ride. We're going for a ride. God cast a vision. We got the movement of God going with it, and here we go. Hold on. It's going to be a wild ride. God's vision is not for his church to die. God's vision is for his church and his kingdom to grow. Do your part to grow the kingdom. Amen? Amen. And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, Pastor, that's real good. But... I don't really know Jesus, and I really don't understand this praying, and I don't understand this whole vision concept, and, and my life's just too messed up to even hear his voice. Well, I want to let you know this, that God's word says that we all fall short of the glory of God. 
that we're all sinners. So you're in good company. If you look to your right or you look to your left, guess what? That person's a sinner too. Now husbands, don't look at your wives and say, oh, you're a sinner because that's where the fight's going to start. But just remember, we all, are, we all are sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. But God loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. And it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, that's the beginning. That, that's that acceptance. Hey, I want Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. When you ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, that means he is ruling your life, not you. Think about that. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. But then we say, yeah, I accepted Jesus, but I'm still going to do my own thing. I'm still going to do what I want to do. I'm not going to put him at the center of my life, even though I said he's Lord. If he's your Lord and Savior, he is the center of your life. And then at that point, that's when you start to change. And we're called to be Christ-like. We're called to be more like him, and it's a process. For some people, it can happen real quick. For others, it takes years and more years and more years. But as long as we're better today than we were yesterday and that we're going in that right direction, we're going in the right direction. That's half the battle. So if you're in here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you, during our final worship song, you can come up front. I'm going to be standing off to the side. You can come up front and we can talk about it. We can pray about it. And if you're ready to make him the Lord of your life, we can welcome you into our messed up, jacked up family. Because Lord knows everyone in this room is messed up. Everyone's jacked up. And every one of us is loved. Man, we are loved by a God. Loved more than you can ever imagine in your life. And then maybe you're sitting here and you're like, well, pastor, you know, I, I understand this whole vision thing, but I like this easy chair I'm in. I like to be in my comfort zone. Maybe your prayer needs to be, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. And it's time to get moving for God again. Get moving to do what he's called you to do. Understand it's bigger than you. And when it's bigger than you, you know it's from God. And remember to take yourself out of the equation. It's not about me. It's not about my personal beliefs. It's not about what I want. This is about what God's word calls me to do. This is about doing what he calls me to do. And this is about the vision that he has for my life. That's what we need to focus on. And if you're not focused on that, you can come up here and you can leave it at the altar. Have that conversation with God. Whatever it is. You know and he knows. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you. We thank you that you're able to give us a new vision. Basically, Lord, it's like putting on glasses. You're, you're, you're resetting our vision or you're revisioning us. 
Lord, I ask that you put on, that we would have spiritual eyes. Lord, that we would see what it is you want us to see. Lord, that, that we would see the vision that you have for not only our, our own lives, but a vision to see what you want for the people around us. And Lord, not only that we will see it, but that we will actually be doers. That we will actually take those steps in faith. Knowing it's going to be hard, knowing it's going to be difficult, but knowing that you are the center of it all, so we know you'll see it come to completion. So Lord, use us in a mighty way. Use us to see the need, to feel that hurt, and to want to make a difference. Not only in our own lives, but in the lives of those people we come in contact with. And Lord, if there's anyone here who don't know you, Lord, I just ask that they make that move today with, in, here in the sanctuary that they'll come up front. And Lord, if they join us for church online, that they'll reach out and let us know that they want to accept Jesus and we can reach out and talk to them about it, Lord. Lord, your word says today is the day of salvation, so there's no better time than today be taken out of a comfort zone to make you the Lord of our lives. And Lord, if there's anyone stuck in that comfort zone, Lord, if they know you, you know how to convict them. Stretch our tents, Lord. Stretch our tents to serve you. And make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.